In this episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, the tables are turned as one of my students interviews me for the show. So here we go. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. G'day and welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. I'm Ben Amos, your host, and I'm here to help you engage your ideal audience to action through effective online video strategy. And in today's episode, we're going to get into it very soon because it's it's a fairly lengthy episode and it's actually the audio that was taken from an interview that was done of me by one of my students, Gord Eisman, on his YouTube channel. And in this interview, we go in so many interesting places, which I know that you guys, listeners to this podcast, are going to enjoy as well. We talk about the fears that business owners have in creating video content. We talk about the biggest mistakes they make when failing to do video content strategically. We talk about how to understand and map out video across a full organic video strategy funnel. And we dive deeper into where we feel the future of online video strategy is going. So this is a wide ranging and interesting conversation and I can't wait to bring it to you. But before I do, let me introduce you to Gord Eisman. Now you may have heard if you were listening to last week's episode, Gord interviewed very briefly as I brought on three students to my online video strategy blueprint course. Now following that short interview, Gord invited me to come on to his YouTube channel for a longer interview and we completed this interview earlier in the week and it was so much fun that I wanted to bring the audio to you here today. Gord Eisman is a video editing and video marketing coach and he works with businesses of all sorts to actually help them do better video more confidently with a particular focus on mastering the tool, mastering the editing program Camtasia. Gord's YouTube channel, which I highly recommend you check out, is just search YouTube for Gord Eisman or check the show notes page at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 117. Gord shows you all tips and techniques for making captivating videos to help spread your message and market your business or product using online video. And the content that you'll find on Gord's channel is wide ranging and super valuable. So I'd recommend that after this episode, you go and check out Gord Eisman on YouTube. So are you ready for this? Let's get into my interview. Thanks to Gord Eisman. Hi, everybody, and welcome. It's Gord here. It's been quite a while since I've been on camera on my YouTube channel, but I'm back now and I'm so excited uh, for my first interview back. I have a very special guest. And his name's Ben Amos, and he's from Queensland, Australia. And I had the privilege of meeting Ben through a course that I took starting last June that was phenomenal. And it was on Video Marketing Blueprint. And I learned so much to help me look at how to service people and how to look at content creation to help video marketing. It was just um, a great eye-opener and refresher for me. And I'd like to welcome you, Ben, and please um, share with us a little bit about how you got into this world of video marketing strategy. 
Sure. Hey, g'day, Gord. Thanks for very much for having me on your on your channel. Looking forward to our chat today and hopefully sharing some value for your for your viewers as well. So, little little bit of backstory on me. So, my background going way back was actually as a as a high school film teacher. So I used to teach film and media, film and television to, to students. And after doing that for a number of years, I stepped out and took the plunge into the world of small business and started my own small video production company here in Queensland, Australia, and uh, started out doing wedding videos and, um, and then sl slowly moved into doing video content for businesses in our local area. And uh, over, I guess over the course of a couple of years, I started to see time and time again, the same thing cropping up over and over and over again, which was the idea that the videos that we were delivering as a video production company to our small business clients, they just weren't being used in the right way online. So at this stage, businesses were basically just taking the videos that we'd created. They were happy with the video content we'd created we got paid we moved on to go and find a new client and everything's great right except we would check back on what they'd actually done with those videos and usually what they'd done is just stuck them up on youtube or on the front page of their website and in one particular case i really distinctly recall a business spending about five thousand dollars on a on a brand video with us um and we created a fantastic video for them and uh, everyone was happy, like I said, but in that particular case, I checked back six months later and that video had amassed 34 views on YouTube. And that was the only place they had actually used the video. So needless to say, there wasn't a return on investment for that video for that business. And that kind of made me realize that there was something, something missing. I was, I was failing our clients potentially. So that kicked off for me a journey of about now six years of, of really diving deep into, into digital marketing, into video marketing, into, into customer behavior and human behavior to understand how to create and use video strategically to actually get a result. And that's kind of what it's led me today to be focused on sh sharing that and helping other people do better video more strategically. Okay. That's a very cool. And what I'm curious in that evolution, you've also gone to the point that you now have, um, so you have two companies, is that right? And, and, and the most yeah. recent one is your engaged video marketing and, and, and associated with that is the podcast that you do. So what made you, decide to sort of extend that and it's more of like you know it's like ben ben getting out there you're not using the name of your media company right in in the podcast yeah so my the core business that i run is called innovate media and it's a video strategy agency servicing businesses around queensland so around our our area um here in australia and that really is you know that's my that's my main source of income. Um, and it has been for the last 10 years of, of growing and building that business. But around about three years ago, um, I, was, I was just starting to talk to other people in my network, other video producers like me in my network about how they were helping their clients uh, actually get results with the videos that they were creating, just talking about the same frustrations that I was feeling. And the conversations kept happening where these these other business owners these other video producers were asking me uh how do we do that we don't actually do that we want to know what you're how you're doing it with your clients so i kind of 
I never set out deliberately to kind of become a thought leader in this space or, or even kind of move deliberately down the track that I have of starting a separate brand, which is about education and, and really, you know, video strategy evangelizing, I guess. Um, yeah. But that's just what's happened because people are asking me to help. And I guess it's the teacher in me as well that yeah. I, I want to be able to help people understand what I've spent time now learning and understanding and systemizing and, and building into a, a process that we, we do with our clients. And, you know, as a pod, an avid podcast listener myself, I thought, hey, I could interview people and talk about this same sort of stuff uh, on a podcast. So I started my podcast, Engage Video Marketing Podcast, um, nearly two years ago. So, yeah, it's just, it's been an evolution and it's been yeah. fun. Well, I, I greatly enjoy uh, the podcast. I look forward to each new episode. You're bringing on all kinds of interesting people. And you, you even had uh, my buddy Nick Nimmin on recently, which was kind of cool to, yeah, to hear on your, your podcast. And um, yeah, I, I continue to learn a lot from that. And anybody, if you haven't um, checked it out, you got to go check out Ben's podcast, Engage Video Marketing, and um, you know, you'll really enjoy it. I guarantee. <laughs> so, <laughs> good. so, so Ben, I, I find that uh, over the years, content creation has changed from the earlier days of video marketing, I guess, earlier in the days, the way you service your clients in that the ability for people to produce better quality video sort of in a, in a do it yourself kind of fashion has changed and improved. Um, how do you find that that quality um, improvement with, with more simpler gear has affected the business of, 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 doing video marketing as a service for people. Meaning you can yeah, I think like the, the DIY types, like how, how, how are things evolving and, and where does the services fit? Like, you know, with what types of people? I often refer to the, the idea of the democratization of video creation these days. And, and that is the idea that it's now in the hands of everyone. So when I started my video production company 10 years ago, I got a $30,000 loan. And most of that loan amount went on purchasing the equipment I needed to actually film and produce high definition video content. Now, however, everybody has the ability to produce high quality, even greater than high definition, often 4k quality mm. and beyond in, in the pocket of their, of their trousers, you know, um, or within, within the little screens on their, on their computers, you know, the, the ability to produce content is now in the hands of everybody. And what that results in though, for, for business owners, for marketers, for people wanting to do video to, to grow a business is it often results in overwhelm. So people actually don't take action just because it's easy to do. Doesn't mean that people do it or alternatively, because it's so easy to do, people give it a go, they give it a crack and then, because there hasn't been a significant strategy in place to even know if they're doing the right videos in the right way, then it just fails to return even on the investment of time that they've invested into that video. So I guess in a, in a circuitous way to kind of answer your question there, Gord is I think that it's the ease of being able to create video and, and do it yourself type video has resulted in two things. It's resulted in a lot more content but it's also resulted in a lot more content that really is just noise 
right? Mm. And and noise isn't helping anyone. So as a consumer, <laughs> as as an audience member out there consuming video content, it's it's often very hard to sift through the noise to find the content that really is going to help you achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve in your life. Right. So I guess that's kind of the, the negative side of things as well, right. but to kind of flip that into the positive, I think with a bit of a strategy in place and with some thought process behind creating video, it actually empowers the small business owner or the individual to have a voice to get out there we can create our own channels now, you know, YouTube, we create a channel effectively. Whereas, you know, 15, 20 years ago, the big media companies were the only people that could actually put messages out into the world in this way. So I think there's a lot of positives, but there's also potentially some negatives to how easy it is to do video these days. Yeah. So I'm always, you know, curious as what does it mean now to say, what you have to do to produce professional quality video. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just about the gear because a lot of the gear is capable. And like you're saying, a lot of yeah. people may, you know, have all kinds of issues with even just getting started, but um, the, the playing field has been leveled a lot, but that doesn't, you know, replace the need to get some really good strategic advice on what kind of content to to create and you know we're going to dive a little deeper into that in terms of appreciating the customer's journey and, and video there but I, I find it very interesting about the fact that you know there are a lot of people that sit there and are afraid to get started because they want to do the perfect thing so you know the perfection thing comes in but you know what's considered professional quality and and uh, I find those dynamics that are they're they're interesting in that they've sort of bridged that gap um, but you're saying that now it's so easy to put video content out there that there's a lot of noise because maybe people are just slapping up stuff that, that isn't really thought through with some, you know, good strategy and, and design and, and what their, their, the content is they're putting out. Yeah. I mean, I, let's be honest that the gear is no longer a barrier mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be a barrier because it, like we've talked about, anybody can, create video content these days and people who are fearing putting video out there because for, for practical gear based reasons or, you know, not, not being confident that the videos that they can produce will look professional enough in air quotes. Um, that, that is a misguided fear because yeah. Depending on the type of content, it, it, it's more important to focus on the message and who it is that you want to reach with the content. And in many cases, mm -hmm. going, say, live, behind the scenes, unscripted, uh, natural, authentic, just from your smartphone through, say, Facebook Live or Instagram Live or doing a 15-second Instagram story, mm -hmm. that it that doesn't need to be professional content, but it needs to, you need to know what value you're providing someone who is actually going to watch that. That's, mm -hmm. that's where the focus should be. It's not about you as a content creator. It's about who you want your content to reach and how you want to impact those people who it reaches. Yeah. It's interesting how the platforms have evolved with, you know, different kinds of experiences on things like Instagram stories and YouTube stories versus uh, pre-recorded video you may post on YouTube or going live on Facebook and YouTube and other platforms. I, I find it 
so fascinating that there's such a diversity of content that a small business or entrepreneur can produce. And a lot of that they can, you know, produce themselves. So if you were to say like, there are certain things that, you know, would be good to have for, for your business that were more like polished and produced, what, what kind of content would you target for things like that? So as you know, God, the way I focus uh, helping people understand how to use video in different ways online is all about understanding the customer, the audience, the person who you're trying to influence to take some sort of action. And we need to understand that that person goes on a journey to actually make a decision to take that action. Right. So in a, in a simple kind of way, and we can break this down as deep as you want, God, we can go deeper into some of this, but at its simplest form that a person goes from a phase of awareness of a need through to a decision to make a purchase or convert in some way. And that's a journey they go on. So when you think of the, the beginning of that journey, effectively as, you know, as a, person in your audience, they're effectively cold, a cold audience, right? So they've never heard about you before. Um, they've never seen you. They don't know what you do. They don't know what your mission is and what you even potentially want to communicate to them. So it's at that first point of contact potentially in that journey that someone's going to go on to eventually convert or take the action you want them to take. That's where I feel that quality needs to be focused on more so than much further down the line. Mm. Okay. So you kind of think of it like your first impressions count, right? Yeah. In human nature, it's the idea of if I was, if I was going to meet someone for the first time and I wanted to make a good impression on that person, I would probably dress nicely. I might have a shave that morning or something like that. I would smile. I would tell good stories. I would present my best self, right? Mm. Based on the situation of the context. That's how it works in human nature. Now, as you kind of get deeper into relationships, someone like for my wife, for example, who I've you know been married to for nearly 10 years, uh, I, I'm certainly not presenting my best self all the time to her, right? Because yeah. we've built a relationship and we, and we understand, you know, the conversion's already been made effectively, right? In that, in that situation. But in answer to your question around where, where should people really focus on quality over just getting something done? Right. I think if anything, you think about what are those first touch points for your brand? Where, how are people coming into your brand or business ecosystem? That's the place where it really is worth focusing on the quality of the production. But as a caveat here, don't let the quality of the production overshadow the message, right? Because the message is the main thing. So does that answer your question? I guess. Yeah. And I think that's part of what I really enjoyed so much about the course was, and I think it's, it's something that, you know, small business people and entrepreneurs may not um, necessarily think about that diversity of kinds of uh, content that you can produce through the funnel and, you know, you talked about the awareness stage here, how important it is to make the good impression and strengthen your message. So that's why I'm saying I, I believe, you know, that the quality of um, the content in terms of knowing what the purpose is of each video and sort of where it fits in the puzzle that, you know, gives a, a whole shape to the video marketing strategy. And, and it's so important. And I think that's where uh, people can benefit 
greatly from having that video strategic advising to help them, you know, produce, you know, good content that's going to help them grow their business. And that's why I really like the way you package that all together. And and it it was, it was very powerful in the course, the way uh, you, you delivered that. So, um, I just wanted to say thank you again for that. And oh, um, thank you, God, yeah. What do you find are the the toughest challenges for the uh, for for small business to to get going with video? Like, what is what is the the big resistance? I mean, a lot of people say I I need to get into this because if I don't, I'm gonna like fall behind, which is like kind of yeah. a, an odd way of looking at it. Um, uh, what what are the the, the key stumbling blocks. Look, I think we touched on it before and, and it's, it's a very real consideration is that for so many people considering using video, it is a fear based thing, right? There's fear of, of putting yourself out there of, um, you know, recording yourself. Uh, and in many cases that is what's recommended is that it's putting you on camera in some way. And that's probably yeah. where people most fear is the idea of, ah, but I don't want to have to be on camera. And then, <laughs> then, then they kind of push back and they never take action. Right now there are of course ways to do effective video without having yourself on camera. But I think remembering that, you know, business or, or, communication is a person to person thing, right? So I think wherever possible, we want to make that an authentic and human connection moment through, you know, whether it be just sharing tips and ideas through a YouTube channel or whether it be video designed to sell something specifically, it's always more effective if there's a human face. So I guess there is that fear, right? There's that fear of putting yourself out there. And I mean, there's no easy answer to, to just say, just get over that fear. Right. But there is ways that you can get more confident and get over that fear over time. And I think you would probably feel yourself, Gord, is the first video you probably created, you're probably really nervous, you know, um, but more and more as you kind of do it, it becomes less of a concern. And like I mentioned before, I think the key thing to have in the back of your mind is it's not about you. If you're really strong and and clear on the idea of who it is that you're trying to reach and who you're trying to talk to and what impact you're trying to have on that person, even if it is just, I, I, I have this great tip. I want to share it with someone to make their life better. Then think about that person. Don't think about yourself and it's a mindset shift, but, and it's something you practice over time. Mm-hmm. But if you constantly just rely on the fear to hold you back, then you'll never take action. And yeah, I mean, you will get left behind. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. I think that fear of being left behind is something that plays in a lot of people, but they also get stuck for another reason I find, which is interesting. A lot of people say, well, you know, they look at video production as it's going to be this like super expensive thing, whether it's their own gear or hiring resources outside to do them some video marketing work. And, you know, everyone wants to know, well, how do I know what my ROI is going to be on this effort? So how do you address and respond to that? Because I mean, there's a whole buyer's journey. It's not about doing one video to, to get your ROI there. There's, there must be a variety of ways that we can measure this to help people feel that their time and, and money investment makes sense. 
Absolutely. And it's critical to identify what, what the goal is for any given piece of video content. And when you're really clear on what the goal is, then you can determine how you're going to measure the effectiveness of that piece of content in actually achieving that goal. So, you know, at its simplest form, it's the idea of, you know, what do I want someone to do, think, or feel after watching this piece of content? And by asking yourself that and coming, getting clear on an answer, then it provides clarity on production as well. So what, what this video needs to have in it, you know, what content needs to be in there and how you're going to create the video. But importantly, you can measure whether or not it's effective at doing what you intended it to do. And that idea of do think or feel, I think is a, is a nice framework to wrap it around because um, basically if the goal of the video is to get someone to think, just think about something differently, that kind of video tends to be, you know, more educational or inspirational. Um, so you're going to approach that differently than if the video is intended to get someone to do something, to take an action, like click that buy button or right. go and download this thing or whatever. So you're going to approach these things differently. But again, just reminding you that it's about what, action or what impact you want to have on the person at the other end of that, of that video, the person who's watching that video. So I think that's probably the way that people can start to think less about themselves and uh, what am I going to do in this video and what should my script be? And, you know, where should I film it? And what should I say? All of those questions that people get stuck on. Mm -hmm. I think if you just want to think, what's the goal? What do I, what, what outcome do I want from this? Yeah. And it might not be a business goal. It might not be they're going to buy my thing because you've, you said it before, God, there is a journey that people go on to buy and right. the value in having video all along that journey, um, even prior to video that's designed to make the sale um, right. is, is very important. Yeah, so even if you were measuring your ROI based on conversions at that point in the cycle of the journey, you're, you know, that that's fine. You can measure conversion and, and stuff like that, but it's also overlooking the fact that there were other videos in other elements, stages of the journey that were also important that weren't mes measurable exactly by the dollar return at, at that point in time. Right. So I think it's important for people to realize that it's a, it's an overall strategy. They should be thinking, about and and have like you said every video has a purpose right absolutely i think it was gary v talks about the idea of what's the roi of your mother you know like <laughs> you just you don't consider that you don't think about that you just know she's important to me and it's kind of like that when it comes to certain video content within your within your entire strategy is the idea of i uh, I understand the value that this is providing to my ideal audience and by providing value to my ideal audience without trying to sell to them and doing that consistently and, you know, leading with value and putting your audience first, then when it comes time to sell and then measure the dollar value ROI of your video strategy, it becomes a much easier kind of process to undertake but if you don't do that kind of hard to measure not direct roi kind of content within a full strategy then you're making it much harder to sell when it's time to sell mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense 
Uh, I'm curious, where does in the buyer's journey, things like repurposing content fit in? Can you share a bit about that? Because I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to take content, like for example, a live um, conversation or a pre-recorded interview like we're doing here is, you know, can, can break out very useful content for people to use in, you know, in their strategy. So do you see repurposing content as, as, um, a growing thing or what place does it have in the content schedule or what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the answer to that's going to really depend on how the, con- like what the content is and how it's being repurposed. So, you know, if it is more, um, more emotional storytelling kind of content that's designed to just get someone to be aware of, of a problem that they have and start them to think about the potential solution to that problem, then that's more what we call the top of the funnel content or the beginning of that buyer's journey and repurposing that content. What you would do is basically uh, consider how you can extract powerful messages from a larger piece of content and use them natively on different platforms in different ways. So, you know, the, I guess it can fit there at the, at the top of the funnel or the beginning of the buyer's journey. I guess where I most commonly see repurposed content having great value is, is more in the middle of the journey or the middle of the funnel, which is usually we consider this the consideration phase of that buyer's journey where someone's now they're interested and they're looking for a solution and maybe they're Googling for answers or they're subscribing to YouTube channels based around that topic. Um, and they're open and receptive to messaging that's, that's related to that idea. So if you do have a larger piece of content, like a hero interview or a bigger video, um, say on your YouTube channel, then repurposing that content into different, uh, different content types, like, using audio and using it on different platforms, taking, you know, quote images out of that and, or, you know, pull quotes from that bigger video and using them as graphics on Instagram. What you're doing is just showing up for people who are in that consideration phase of the journey and you're doing so consistently in the places where they are. Yeah. That's the real power in in content repurposing is not everyone is, is hanging out in your ideal primary channel. Right. So if you're a YouTube creator as your primary channel, then looking for ways to repurpose, to show up for people who are spending their time hanging out other places, I guess that's the way to think about it. Um, And there's so much power in repurposing one piece of content into many others. Yeah. And take, for example, our conversation here, you know, many people may consume you know, my content in something like Instagram. And if I had a video there that, that had a nice teaser piece that got them excited to want to go see the view, go and view the interview in, in a longer format, then they could come over to YouTube. So exactly like you said, finding people where they're at and, and connecting yeah. with them. So I think that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, you talked about storytelling I, I know that bef- you actually changed the name of your podcast to be Engage Video Marketing, but beforehand, it was more tied to the concept of storytelling. Can you just sort of explain that, and, and but also help us with context about how important storytelling is for brands and personal brands? 
Sure. Absolutely. As a video producer, storytelling is very you know, close to my heart and it's a, it's a skill that um, I practice, but I also constantly am practicing. Um, obviously storytelling and video content creation aligns um, and the power of story to move people to take action is something that is at the heart of just good business and marketing strategy. Um, you know, people get inspired by stories in a completely different way than they do with facts and figures and rational, yeah. rational things. Right. So for my podcast, when I first started the podcast a hundred or so episodes ago, I did call it the engage with story podcast. Um, because that was my goal is to spend some time via the method of podcasting to get some great storytellers and explore and, and sharpen my storytelling acts, I guess. Um, I transitioned into the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, not because storytelling is not important, but because, you know, the the idea of video marketing more generally, I guess, had a greater possibility for me for the podcast. Um, but in answer to your question there, the idea of storytelling is just, it's where the good conversation begins. Like I said before, on that that first impressions on that first date, you know, the first time you meet someone, you're not going to go in there and just kind of, you know, throw a whole bunch of facts at them and just tell them a whole bunch of stuff that they're not even particularly interested in or they didn't even want from you. What that first meeting usually entails in a human sense is you get to know each other. You tell stories, right? Mm -hmm. So where are you from? What do you do? Um, you know, tell me about that. How do you help people? These it's stories that are, you're going to relate in response to that. So good marketing starts with good storytelling mm -hmm. because stories are, are an emotional form of communication. And like I said before, that's where the journey begins with that emotional connection, mm -hmm. recognizing that people make purchase decisions based on emotion first, and then they justify mm -hmm. their decisions later with logic and rational reasoning. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, storytelling is something that can't be overlooked and we do it anyway as humans, like since, <laughs> since we're like one year old, we're um, engaged with stories and yeah. in a, it's in a, a very huge different way of connecting and engaging, right? Absolutely. It's yeah. a, I mean, yeah, we know so, that it's, it's human. Yeah. Yeah. So do you find that when, when you're working on a strategy, I, I guess people may already have an affinity for certain platforms. Does the platform that they're going to be distributing on their primary platform um, impact what you may do in terms of your content design or, or, or planning or strategy in, in, in the storytelling? Like, do you actually think differently at all tied to, to platform or is it the other way around what you may do to diversify on the platforms is, is a byproduct after? Okay. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. And there are two ways to kind of look at this. And the last thing that you said there, Gord, around, is it the other way around? I think yeah. in reality, it should be, it should be the platform that you decide to publish on as your primary platform should be a decision made based off a strategic thought process of who's my audience and mm -hmm. where are they and how how is my content? Like what content do I want to deliver to them? And then make the decision on the distribution platform you're going to use based on those decisions, not just on which one do I prefer. Um, however, for many people, they do have a preference. Like they like, I want to start a YouTube channel, for example, um, because they 
like YouTube more than they like LinkedIn, for example. Um, so when you've decided on a, on a channel, then the other part to your question there is how does that impact on the content that you create? And it has to, you know, because every social media platform is a video platform, but they all have their own languages. They all have their own nuances and the way that people engage with video on those platforms and the way the platforms promote or engage with video on their own platforms, right? So there's algorithms to consider on every video platform and social media platform, but more important than the algorithm, I think is, is the audience's expectation on those platforms. And you need to kind of create your content with those expectations in mind. Mm -hmm. how, how important would you see live streaming in a, in a strategy? It's interesting because, um, you know, it's, it's a live format. So how would you utilize that kind of platform execution in a, in a strategy? Like, can you give me a couple examples, how it would fit into the funnel? Like, where would you apply it? Yeah. So live can be used effectively anywhere across that customer journey. And it's just how you, how you do your live stream that I guess would change based on what the goal, what the intended outcome of that live stream is. Um, but live streaming is so powerful and what's powerful about it is it's, it's kind of like humanizing that, that relationship one step further. So rather than producing content and it being a, broadcast mechanism mm -hmm. live streaming brings you much closer to it being more of a conversation even though in many cases it's still one person broadcasting and the other people you know are more in the chat or or engaging live um, but that's where you can start to feel it's more immediate it can be good live streams are more authentic you know right. behind the scenes or allowing people to um, interact you know, that's what creates good live stream moments. Um, so as far as where it fits within a wider video strategy, I would say that it, it, it's an important part to consider in any video strategy. It probably shouldn't be all of your video strategy, like only ever doing live content mm -hmm. probably wouldn't be a, a well-rounded video strategy across the right. full funnel. But, um, you know, remembering why you're live streaming and, that it needs to have interactivity. There's no point live streaming if you're treating it like a broadcast. Right. Um, apart from, you know, I guess there is benefit in what I call with live streaming is rapid content creation. So if you don't want to go to the hassle of editing, producing content, going live, even if there's no one on the other, you know, watching, at least you're getting content created, right? And then it becomes a video yeah. in your feed. So there's pros and cons, but, um, I think that the best use of live is when there's interactivity in some way. Yeah, I think it makes, uh, I, I find it's such a different experience focusing your energies on, on doing pre-recorded work and then shifting to live and then trying to factor in other elements of being human and, you know, showing behind the scenes stuff, you know, a lot of that stuff, I think, um, people may not have conventionally thought of as in the domain of, of a video marketing strategy, you know, some of this behind the scenes and live stuff. But I, I think the technology has just enabled that connection to get to another level because it's so easy to do these things now. Yeah, ab absolutely. And, um, you know, I think the technology, like I said before, empowers us to do it easily, but it also um, makes it too easy to just create noise. 
you know, mm-hmm. so don't, don't press that go live button. If you don't know what the outcome is that you want, you know, what the goal is, what you want someone on the other end of watching that live to actually do think or feel just the same as produced video. So, you know, too often, particularly in the entrepreneurship and online business space, I just see people just, just going live you know, um, yeah. because they can. And, and because it, they need to be consistent and they just yeah. are going to do something and, you know, maybe they didn't put, you know, full thinking or proper thinking into it. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the purpose and they, they just show up and then, you know, yeah, it's good to show up, but it's also, you know, you be careful what you're doing, you know, cause you may yeah, yeah. send the wrong message um, by not doing something at least at a certain quality level and delivering a certain message of significance, right? Uh, you're, you're wasting people's time. And I guess that's, that's an interesting thing to appreciate at the same time. Right. Yeah. Even if it's just two or three dot points that you, you want to communicate to someone, you know, mm-hmm. to, to transfer an idea from you to them, you need to know, you know, what the outcome is, even if it is as simple as I just want to share this one tip um, and then job's done. Right. So at least you've got that's a purpose. True. For, yeah. for being, for going live, for pressing that button. Yeah. What are your thoughts now about um, companies going more to a strategy of actually uh, hiring or the resources to be in-house to help them with their video marketing strategy as opposed to outsourcing and sort of, you know, this to me is, um, you know, that kind of proliferation of more of that happening supports all the more reason why you need a good strategic direction. So how to sort of marry that together, I guess, for the, you know, I, I think the small business or solo entrepreneur, you know, they're looking at trying to do all of these functions themselves sometimes. Um, but, you know, that's, that's not for everybody. So where do you strike the balance of, um, you know, getting that sort of good strategic support that may be through hiring someone outside versus deciding to try and take it all on yourself. Cause I believe, you know, it's it, one of the struggles would be is that, you know, the concept of overwhelm of, you know, maybe that's not the area where your strengths are and, you know, heavy, you, yes, you could, because of you know, there's the DIY capability. Um, but, is it is it always the right thing for you to do? Like, do you have any thoughts on like deciding, you know, helping people decide whether that makes sense or not for them? I think what you're talking about here is a significant shift in the video production industry as well that I know other video producers feel is that particularly for for mid to larger organisations, they're they're you know seeing value in, in bringing some production capability in house, um, right. even at a professional level, um, because the demand and desire for, for video content is so much larger these days that it starts to become uneconomical for these larger businesses to be hiring in a videography company or, or a video production company every time they want to create a micro piece of content to yeah. be used for their internal communications or through their social media and all that sort of sort of jazz. Right. So we're seeing that more and more, mm-hmm. but I think what you also recognize there, Gord, is what, what that results in is these marketing teams hiring videographers in house, not video strategists, just videographers, and then they're just saying, go and make some videos. You know, here's a list of videos we, we think that might be a good idea. Go and 
make them. And then that videography team is kind of like, yeah, cool. Okay. Well we're here. This is what we need to do. Let's just go and make some videos. But no one is ever really having that strategic discussion or rarely, rarely it's happening. So I, I see there's a real opportunity for either marketing teams in those organizations to become better video strategists themselves but that's hard because you know your cmo or your marketing manager they need to understand the whole marketing landscape not to focus on best practice just in the world of video right. um, or there's the opportunity for those in-house teams to upskill themselves on video marketing and video strategy or the real opportunity that i see particularly for students of my online video a strategy blueprint course is the ability to kind of come into those organizations and act as basically a video strategy consultant um, or to train people on video strategy in those sorts of situations. So I think that's a real opportunity. I think we'll start to see that more and more. Um, it's probably something that the, the idea of a video strategy consultant is probably something that is very rarely heard of these days, but I think you'll start to see that more and more as we move forward because those companies investing in those salaries of, of those video people in their company, they're going to realize that it, it's not good enough for them just to be creating content. That content needs to be the right content and get the right results. And those video producers on those salaries might not actually know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I really liked the course in that you, you, you gave a lot of tools that helped people to be able to assess where they're at and, you know, what the opportunities are and, 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 you know, get a process in place. And, uh, that was very well communicated and I can see the importance of bringing that in house and, you know, even for entrepreneurs that to, to learn that they, they need to have, you know, intention and purpose and strategy to what they're throwing together. Otherwise, um, you can just, you know, be overwhelmed and be sort of all over the place and just slapping stuff up like, like we, we talked about earlier. So, yeah, no, I, I, that makes sense. Um, I, I, I wanted to know what your thoughts are and what you see as some uh, future trends sort of evolving in the world of video marketing. Yeah, I love this question and I never really know how to answer it because I don't have a crystal ball, right? But all I can do is is um, just bounce some ideas around like what I'm kind of seeing and what I would like to see, I guess. And I think we're going to continually see the increased adoption of video across all aspects of, of the internet, you know, particularly with the rollout of, you know, 5G, higher speed internet and things like that that being basically everywhere. Um, people are going to expect to be able to interact with video type communication um, everywhere, not just in broadcast or in communications, but everywhere in, in sales, in human interaction. I mean, you know, we're recording over a Zoom call right now and I think we're going to start to see just human communication being done much more via video than, by, than via voice. So the idea of being on camera and fear of being on camera, I think won't be much of it. It won't be a big deal for people in, in the coming years because we're going to be on camera all the time anyway, just through life, through daily life. And we'll get used to that. So I think that's probably a positive, but, and it also kind of leads to, I think so much more opportunity because video 
as a form of communication will no longer just be relegated to specific places. Like you want to watch a video, you go to YouTube or you want to watch video content, you turn on the TV or Netflix. I think it'll, it'll now be more videos just everywhere. You know, video is, is on your watch. Video is on your smartphone. Video is in your car in, you know, I don't know, self-driving cars. You kind of, instead of looking out the window, watching where you're going, so you don't crash into things, you're going to be just, you know, entertained or learning stuff via video. Um, you know, I think, it, I think it's just exciting and, you know, video will change as well. Like it's now very, you know, it, we're talking about just increasing resolution, but that's only going to go so far until resolution yeah. is really a thing, yeah. you know, and then we'll start to, I don't know, maybe holograms will become a thing. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But, well, 360 yeah. video, virtual reality. I mean, you know, all yeah. of these technologies are, are, are evolving and, you know, more and more each year. But, you know, this is, this is a, you know, very interesting, you know, I, I, I find that, um, you know, there are those people and, 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 you know, I feel for them, the ones that, that, that say, well, you know, video's just not for me. I think they're missing, you know, great opportunity. And, uh, you know, it's almost like, what do you say to people? You know, like, you need to be careful because you don't want to say on the one and you don't want to say something, you know, like get over it because, you need, you need to, uh, you know, be with the times, right. And, and, and it's important for people to connect with you. If not, I, I, I say, you know, your competition's there and, you know, they may just decide to do it. And, and, you know, you know, video is much more, uh, found in search results and, and has preference in, in, in the, the, the feedback in the results. So, you know, you want to be found and compete, you, you, you should be seriously considering that. And, and that's why, you know, what do you say to people that just outwardly go, uh-uh, like, is it just their loss or, or uh, do they get external spokes, uh, people to help them or like, have yeah, you look, I, address that anyway? I think what I say to people and, you know, sometimes it's actually just very hard to convince them to, to change their mindset around that fear of being on video. So as a video production company, then we do uh, offer alternatives that may not be quite as effective, but they can still do the job. However, you know, my, my message to those people is, you know, if you want this video to, to achieve something, then think about that goal. Think about that outcome and what that outcome actually means. So, so why are you doing video in the first place? Um, and, and, and then I guess get over yourself because it's not about you. And like you say, that's not often the best way to put it, mm-hmm. but it's, I kind of liken it to the idea of if you're in business, you need to communicate with people. You need to actually like nobody does business and never looks eye to eye to someone else in that, in that process, you know, whether it be networking or whether it be sales or whether it be working with their clients, once they are their clients, you know, business is about humans helping other humans. So (laughs) video is just another way of uh, being in front of those people you want to help. So if you're, I, I would probably say to people, you're not nervous, like going into a sales meeting with someone or, or going into, you know, a, just a business meeting face to face, right? You probably wouldn't be nervous and really worried about, Oh, what if my hair's not perfect? And (laughs) you know, what if I, you know, have a slightly crinkled shirt, for example, 
and oh, I'm not just going to go to this. I'm not going to go to this meeting because what if one piece of hair's out of place or I look, or I look silly or I stumble over my words a little bit. These are the fears that hold people back from video, but it doesn't hold us back from just human interaction. Um, so it's, it just need to think of it as the same way, you know, video is you talking to someone who you want to help. Um, yeah. So it's not about you. Like I said before. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for that answer. That was, that was great. So Ben, um, wow. We've had such a packed hour of uh, um, points in here that, you know, great nuggets for people to take away. And I greatly appreciate that. And why don't you share with everyone as, as part of wrapping up here, you know, what's next for Ben? I, I, I hear you're producing a book. Is that true? It's a work in progress. I am hoping by the end of 2020 that that, that will be a real thing. Um, so yeah, look out for that, but don't hold your breath just yet. Um, but really for me, it's about continuing to reach and help people in this, this area that I'm so passionate about of, of video strategy. And in 2020, um, I'm, my plans are to continue to help video producers as I do through the online video strategy blueprint course and, and help more video producers through that same process. Um, but also uh, to, to open up a new opportunity to be helping the, the marketers and the, and the business owners themselves who also recognize the need to be doing video more strategically. So, so look out for, for something coming in 2020, which will be more deliberately focused on helping those people rather than just video producers like me. Um, so, so that's kind of my, my immediate goals and plans, but it's also just keep, keep doing what I'm doing and, uh, and showing up for people and helping them where I can. So I look forward to, to 2020 and seeing what happens in this next decade. Oh, that's awesome. So for those that are curious about your course, how often do you put it on a, uh, during the year? Like what is, is there a cycle to it? And um, can you just share? Yeah, so as of the time that? of this, this recording, we've just closed doors to the online video strategy blueprint course. Uh, we're closing doors today, in fact. So when this is, is out, um, you will be able to get on the wait list for the next opening of the online video strategy blueprint course at onlinevideostrategyblueprint.com if that's the kind of thing that makes sense for you. If you're a video producer or content creator, helping other businesses do better video um, and you want to learn about strategy in that way. Um, but probably the best place for people to, to jump on into and learn a bit more from me is if they go to engagevideomarketing.com um, and on the front page there, they'll see a, a free mini course called Foundations, which is a great oh, way for people awesome. to jump in just to, just to get the top level understanding of video strategy for business. And um, that's absolutely free. You can jump on in there and check it out. I'm sure, Gord, you'll leave the links somewhere yeah. for people to do that. Absolutely. And and let's not forget the regular podcast that you uh, of course. deliver such awesome content on regularly and have some great guests. And uh, I'm grateful for that too as well. And uh, thank you so much, Ben, for being uh, a guest today. And uh, I greatly appreciate the value brought to uh, my community. And thanks and have a great evening. Thanks, God. This has been a lot of fun. Cheers. 
So there you go. Thanks again to Gord Eisman for inviting me onto his YouTube channel. Now, of course, if you want to see the video version of that interview or find out more about the range of content and advice and tips and techniques that Gord shares over on his YouTube channel, then head to YouTube and search Gord Eisman, G-O-R-D-I-S-M-A-N. And you'll get the links to Gord and everything that he's got going on over on the show notes page for this episode at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 117. And before you go, I'd just like to ask once again, if you've enjoyed this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating and a review on your podcast player of choice. Every rating and every review helps more people hear about this show. And it also gives me a bit of a boost and keeps me going doing this show each and every week for you. Now, I'll be back with you next week with another interview episode, this time back to the format of me interviewing a guest that I'm bringing on. And I can't wait to share with you in episode 118 next week of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. So that's it for today. I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and my mission is to help you be more effective with your online video strategy to grow your business. Bye for now. Did you know that your email list can often become the most valuable asset to your business? If you've been building your business for any time at all and haven't yet built an email list, then now's the time to get started. Or maybe you've got an email list but struggle to make the most of it. I want to introduce you to my email list provider and I know you're going to love them too. ConvertKit is the email provider built by creators for creators. The team at ConvertKit have been in our shoes and they know what it takes to grow a successful business. And your email list is the tool that will get you there. The best thing is that ConvertKit is seriously easy to use, powerful, but intuitive. Personally, I've tried a handful of email service providers over the years, Aweber, MailChimp, Infusionsoft, but since switching to ConvertKit over 12 months ago, I seriously have not looked back. And as an Engage Video Marketing podcast listener, I've arranged for you to get your first 30 days of ConvertKit absolutely free. Normally, you only get 14 days if you sign up direct through their website. So to give it a try for 30 days, head on over to engagevideomarketing.com slash ConvertKit. Now, this is my affiliate link. So if you do become a ConvertKit customer, then you'll be supporting this show and investing in your business through clever email marketing at the same time. So it's a win-win. The link again, engagevideomarketing.com slash convertkit.